I also have to have the east side <laughs> facing me. It's okay. You really didn't want to hear from, from Alex or Brandon this morning. You wanted to hear from Jesus, right? So it's good. Father, we welcome you. The voice of a man, the opinions of a man don't help us, whoever the man is. But when you speak to us, you set us free. You change us. You bring life from death. So we ask you to do that this morning. Say this to the Lord. We're going to talk about pride. Aren't you excited? Where are the hallelujahs? We're going to talk about pride. And if you just, from the, from the outset of the message, you just want to give the Lord room and say there's, there's nowhere you can't come there. There's no pride you can't show me. Then, then let's do that. Do you guys want to tell the Lord that? Can I lead you there? I don't want to force it on you. It's not what you want. How many will pray with me if we pray that? All right, good. That's enough. Father, There's nowhere you can't come. There's nothing you can't show me. And if you'll teach me this morning, I'll humble myself before you so you can give me grace. In the name of Jesus. Amen. <laughs> you good? All right. You know, I was thinking about what Vulo, Vulo was just sharing, and uh, and just thinking to to really go there, step into that anointing, step into that purpose, step into that call of God that's on every one of us. You got to stop elevating your failures. I gotta stop elevating my failures. Failures from 20 years ago and failures from last week. And I was, I was thinking, you gotta forgive yourself is, is what I'm saying. Because if you don't, you have pride. And I was thinking, Lord, I'm so glad Paul could do this. I'm so glad the Apostle Paul could get past those thoughts that disqualified him from the work of the ministry because of his past. He definitely had them. He said, I'm the least of the apostles. I'm like one born out of, at the wrong time. You know, I think sometimes we belittle, we belittle what was going on in, in, in Paul's, Paul's life and in Paul's journey. Persecuting the church. And, and at the, the death of Stephen, particularly, it would be the equivalent of this right here. Danny Brown. Come get my gun go across the street and shoot that lunatic in the head over there because he won't, he won't shut his mouth. Danny comes, 
gets my gun, and I say, by the way, let me, let me hold your jacket. And actually, I want to step outside and watch. And he walks across the street, and he puts a gun to an innocent man's head and kills him in cold blood. And I'm going, that's good right there. That was Paul. That was Paul. And if God can redeem him and use that man to write two-thirds of your New Testament... What can he do with your mistakes? What can he do with my mistakes? You see what that, you see what that just did? It, it elevated the redeeming ability of God Almighty and brought your mistakes lower rather than doing the exact opposite. So pride... When we look at it, and we look at, we look at defining it, <clears throat> turn over to Romans 12.3. I want to I define it. I want to define it right here. Romans 12.3, I'm going to read Galatians 6.3 for you while you go there. <laughs> By the way, men, don't zone out. You haven't heard any of everything the Lord, the Lord has to say. And you heard this message on the backside of a very large ribeye, so you probably only heard half of what was said anyway. So humble yourself and listen. Romans 12.3 says, I say through the grace given to me to everyone who's among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Galatians 6.3 says, if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. And so pride takes on an attitude about ourselves that thinks more highly than it actually is. So when I'm talking about our, our own failures, it seems humble to say, I've done so much. I've wrecked so much. I've done so much damage. God can't use me. When it's exactly the opposite. It's prideful. Because what you and I do when we do that, and we all do it. I do it. Pastor Alex does it. We feel unworthy to be used by God because of our mistakes. Vulo does it. JP does it. Cheryl does it. Drew does it. And anybody else you want to elevate in this church. When we can say, Lord, My mistakes are grave. They're just nothing compared to your love. 
They're just nothing compared to your mercy. They're nothing compared to your ability to redeem and bring life and restore and take what the enemy meant for harm and use it for good. So there's some people in the room that need to forgive, forgive yourselves today. And then there's some people in the room, and, and maybe both, that need to let go of something someone else did to you today. Richard Sullivan brought a, brought a word that changed my life on Men's Retreat. I thank God for your heart. I thank, I thank God for the gift of God in you, and I thank God for your obedience. And he was talking about how offenses are going to come. Guaranteed. <laughs> Lord, I received that promise. Thank you so much. <laughs> offenses are coming. And the call of God for us to, to choose love. And uh, I spoke to a woman in the last couple of weeks, and, and she had been, she'd been beaten and abused uh, as a child. And, and that had happened to her through someone who claimed to, to follow Jesus. And she said, Brandon, I'm 72 and I still have nightmares. I'm 72 and, and I still hate her. And when Richard was, when Richard was sharing And what I heard the Lord say is the root of unforgiveness and the root of you not being able to let go, me not being able to let go, is you think they owe you something. Right? And it feels right. What was done was, was so horrible and so tragic. It feels right that there should be repayment. But what you're actually saying is, bless you. What you're actually saying is, Lord, this one doesn't answer to you. This one answers to me. Pride. And what you're further saying is, this one's not covered by the sacrifice of Jesus. Right? Because you can't owe a debt if you believe it's been paid. truth it'll set us free we'll be able to find joy again we'll stop being angry father in the name of Jesus nobody answers to us we're not judge We honor you for who you are. We recognize who we're not. Jesus, we exalt your ability to bring healing and life and purpose. Over our past. And Father, right now, God, we align ourselves with your heart and say, 
this person that hurt me doesn't owe me anything. I let go of that going. If that's you, will you just, will you just tell the Lord? I, I, I let go. I'm willing to let go of that payment. Recognizing this, Jesus, you already paid their debt. You already made provision. For restoration to come there. Father, I know it's a process, God. I know for some of us, we'll have to say that a thousand times. I pray for courage and strength to say it a thousand times. That we won't grow weary in standing in truth. And you would break chains and you would bring freedom as only you can. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I'm gonna say this about I'm gonna say this about worship, church. I was I was looking at the I was looking at the dancers up here, the dancers and the twirlers. And uh, I'm going to read about David in 2 Samuel 6. And when the ark of God, I'm going to paraphrase some of it. I'm going to read some of it. When the ark of God came into the city, David was dancing and twirling. And uh, <laughs> and after that, David says, David returned to bless his household. And Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, how glorious was the king of Israel today, uncovering himself today in the eyes of the maids of his servants as one of the base fellows, shamelessly uncovers himself. So David said to Michael, it was before the Lord who chose me instead of your father and all his house to appoint me ruler over the, the people of the Lord, over Israel. Therefore, I will play music before the Lord and I will be even more undignified than this and will be humble in my own sight. But as for the maidservants of whom you've spoken, by them I'll be held in honor. Therefore, Michael, the daughter of Saul, has no children, had no children to the day of her death. And I'll just be as transparent as I know how to be with you all and with the Lord showing me. I identify with Michael much more in that story than I do David. Much more like Michael. The one who was made barren. Than David. The one who was so pivotal in establishing the kingdom of God on earth. The one of who the Lord said, he's a man after my own heart. A testimony that he gave no other man ever in scripture. You'll only find it said of David. And so 
So there's, a, there's, a, there's two things here. One, remember we're talking about pride and the Lord, and the Lord wants to know wh- where are you unwilling to go and worship because you honor what people think of you so much. And, uh, and two is don't judge. Don't judge the worship of someone else. Don't do that. It is, it is dangerous ground. And, and the reason, the reason is Michael was presuming what you were doing over there was all about you. And David said, no, what I was doing over there was all about God. And where he's brought me from and what he's brought me through and this anointing and this call that he's placed on my life. And I'll go even further. And then I just went. Right? And so why it's so prideful, why the Lord is so harsh, you know, in that situation is because one person is presuming to know the heart of another. And we do this all the time. You know, before you say, oh, Michael, she's so bad. <laughs> put, your own, put your own name in there. You know, how many times in, in your life, in my life, have, have we seen an action, good or bad, really, and said, I, I know, I know, I know what's motivating them. I know why they're doing that. They're in it for themselves. They're in it for the attention. And, and when we do that, what seems to be so natural to us so okay with us, so commonplace, because it's, it's everywhere. Been on social media lately? I know what he meant. I know what she meant. And, and this place of, of knowing the hearts of men is reserved for God and God alone. 1 Kings 8.39 says, then here in heaven your dwelling place and forgive and act and give to everyone according to all his ways whose heart you know, for you alone know the hearts of all the sons of men. And so that right there is worth the price of admission. If you'll hear it, if you'll do it, if I'll do it, stop thinking you know what's going on in the heart the motives of, the, of another person because Jesus is the only one who separates between thoughts and intentions, between soul and spirit. He's the only discerner of the heart. And when we go there, we go there in pride. We exalt ourselves above God. And he, and he hates it. He hates it. The Lord calls pride an abomination. The Lord says there's more, there's more hope for a fool than for a proud person. Those are in the Psalms. You can look them up. And then in James, the Lord says, if you're prideful, I'll set myself against you in battle. That's the connotation of the word God resist. God resist the proud, right? I don't want to be found fighting against God. I don't want you to be found fighting against God, you know? So let's, let's lay down how quickly we judge other people, you know, and let's believe the best of them. 
Let's give them the benefit of the doubt, you might call it, right? There's other places where we're, we're very exalted in our pride. And, and one is, and, and Pastor Alex already touched on this, so I'll keep, it, I'll keep it short here. One is, we think we know so much. You know, listen, y'all, I'll be honest with you. Again, transparent. I've been following the Lord since I was about 10. I've done a ministry internship for two years. I've gone to Bible school for two years. I've studied theology at a university for four years. I've sat under incredible leadership. I've had incredible men of God pour into me. I've heard the best sermons you can hear. And I don't think I know very much. That can be discouraging to you or encouraging to you. It wasn't always that way. When I was like low 20s, I thought I knew a lot. But now that I'm upper 30s, Because I'm seeing how big he is, how enormous he is, you know, that that if he's really endless and if he's really infinite, then every truth about him is that same way, right? And so this, 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 this arrival mentality is a place of pride that God deals with. You say, Brandon, what does it look like? It looks like thinking you actually know something about God. And you go, I do. I gotcha. But bring into view all there is to know. Okay? So let's take, let's take, let's take John 3.16. Okay? How many people in the room can quote John 3.16? Okay? For those of you who don't know it, it says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but would have eternal life. John 3, 16. It is probably the most known verse by the most people in scripture. As honestly as I can say it, I have John three sixteen memorized, but I don't know it. I don't understand it. You know, I've gone, I've gone a couple of layers deep on what that verse talks about and how big the love of God actually is. And there are endless layers of his love. Humility comes when sober judgment comes, right? We puff ourselves up in pride because we think we know most of what is to be known. But when we go, there is no end to what God will reveal about himself right here, then you're grateful for what the Lord's taught you. I'm grateful for what the Lord's taught me. I'm incredibly grateful for what the Lord has taught and is teaching our pastor. I value it. But it's just scratching the surface. And so you think, you think humbly about the, the knowledge that you have, you know? I'll, 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 say, I'll say one more thing about the knowledge because I think it's so important because when you look at our culture, everybody is getting so nasty all the time about their opinion and what they know, you know? People are ready to kill each other over their opinion. They have, they will, 
They're ready to, they're ready to draw blood. They're ready, to, they're ready to curse. They're ready to cut people off. You know, they're ready to, to make another person feel like they're not even a person because of an opinion they have, knowledge that they have. That's not who God's called the church to be. Do not engage in those conversations. Do not get nasty over what you know. Because if you get nasty over what you know, what you know just stop meaning anything. Zero. In the eyes of God. Why, Brandon? Love governs. That's why. That's right. Sh shut your mouth. Stop typing. Love, love governs. Love is what God's concerned about. Not how much you know. Not how much I know. Not how right we are. So just understand, that's a spirit of the world that is trying to suck you in and suck me in to destroy our witness for the king. It's true. It's true. And when you can honestly say, I don't know very much. Dang, like, I'm not going to put myself out there. I'm just not that solid on all that I know. It'll change how passionately you defend yourself. When somebody says, you might be wrong there, you'll go, you know what? You might be right. <laughs> but even if I'm not wrong about all that I know about God to be true, at best, that knowledge is so incomplete. Here's how I know. This message, or any message that I've shared with you all, five years ago, I would have shared it very differently. Right? Five years from now, I'll share it very differently. Why? Because the knowledge of God, it's always changing. It's, it's very fluid. He's always teaching. He's always rearranging. He's always adjusting. He's always saying, I know you've seen that that way your whole life, but it's actually, it's like this. And if you're humble and you have a heart after God, you go, okay. Like, you can rearrange my thinking daily. In fact, please, God, rearrange my thinking daily. You can change it. You can put it in a different direction. You can expand it. You can cut the legs out from under it because you are truth. I am not. And what I see compared to what you are we haven't seen anything yet. We haven't seen anything yet. <laughs> It'll set us free. It'll set us free. Here's the other thing about knowledge I'll say very quickly. Unless we're acting on it, God doesn't care anyway. That's it. That's it. Listen, we live in a culture, y'all, that worships knowledge. The more you know, the, the better you are, baby. Like, take you to the bank. If you just know, no, 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 no. You know this, you know that, you can speak to this, you can speak to that. And we, and we think that God's value system is the same. And it's not. It's not. So 
So, so don't even take steps in the direction of being proud of what you know unless you're acting on that knowledge. There's two scriptures that I'll, I'll, I'll point you to, to to just highlight God's value system on this, on this, on this topic. Jesus is preaching in Matthew 12. You don't have to go over there. Jesus is, is, is teaching in Matthew 12, 50, and a woman cries out in the, in, the, in the crowd, and she says, blessed is the womb that bore you, and blessed are the breasts that nursed you. Kind of weird, right? I mean, come on, y'all. What's he saying? Blessed is Mary, the mother of God. Blessed is Mary. This, this woman is recognizing the, 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 that Jesus is the Christ. By acknowledging who he is and saying, blessed is Mary, she's the mother of God. You know what Jesus' response is? Ah, even more blessed is the one who does the will of my Father, who's in heaven. I don't know if you have a Catholic background or not. That might, that might have just rocked you if you did. The, the, the Catholic Church, there's no slide on the Catholic Church, but the Catholic Church would, would, would probably struggle there. Because what Jesus was saying is, if you're just a doer of the word of God in the Father's value system, you are more blessed than Mary, the mother of God. Why? Because Mary was just a doer of the word. Right? It's his value system. There's, there's another place where Jesus' mother and his brothers, they come looking for him. It's in Luke 11, and they say, they say, Lord, your mother and your brothers are outside. They're looking for you. And he looks around at his disciples and he says, you see these? These are my mother. These are my brothers. Whoever hears the word of God and, and, and does it, they're my family. They're my family. So, so again, we're talking about pride. It is not this accumulation of more knowledge. It is a heart to actually do something with the knowledge that we have, right? Because the Lord even goes so far to say this, the more knowledge that you, you bring in, Brandon, the more knowledge that you bring in, Brandon, if you don't do anything with it, you become more deceived. And you get more knowledge, you don't do anything with it, you become more deceived, you are, you are going further and deeper into deception with your accumulation of knowledge if there's not a heart to, to act on it and do it. Idolatry, that's exactly right, JP. Stubbornness is as idolatry. It's as witchcraft. That's what the word of God says. You know, and every time you and I say no to going where the Lord wants us to go, what we're saying is, my way's better than yours. Pride. You know, I was thinking in worship, Alex, about, man, like I'm such a crybaby. I just cry all the time, you know? And you do too. This guy does too. This guy does too. And I was just thinking about what Job said when he saw the Lord. You know, 
when God questioned him and he had an encounter with God himself, he said, I didn't know. I just heard of you by the hearing, and, but now my eyes see you and I'm, I'm undone. I'm, I'm undone. I'll go so far as to say this. If you want to know if you're really experiencing God, answer the question. Are you, are you, being, are you being undone? And you'll, and you'll be there. I'm just going to let that sit for a second. Am I experiencing God, really? Am I being undone? And you'll know. The goal is not crying. The goal is to see God for who he really is. Whatever that does to your emotions. I could care less. Deuteronomy 8 talks about the, the children of Israel moving into the promised land. And the Lord says, when you get there and you build your houses and everything's overflowing and you have all the resources you need, don't forget me. Because your tendency is going to be to say, it's, 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 it's my power. Then you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gained me this wealth. And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers. I think this is such an important word for us, church. Let me, let me try not to lose you in the, in the thought process. <clears throat> let me just judge me. I have a tendency to call it my house, my money my cars, my wife, my kids, my time, my talents. Did you hear it? Can you hear it? Can you feel it? When if what we sing, so many Sunday mornings in a year is really true, it's your breath in our lungs, So we pour out our praise. The question is, do we believe it? Do we really believe it? Because, because if, if it's really the breath of God in you, that if he removes, we're dead in the floor. Then it's really not your smarts. It's really not your hard work. It's really not your education. It's really not your ability. It's not your background. It's not your training. It's, it's not your family. It's not your, it's not your American opportunities. That have produced what you have in your life. It is the mercy of God alone. And there's so much more in, in this book that supports the idea, the reality that we're stewards, not owners. And we have an ownership mentality, and it's prideful. 
Here's something fun to think about. You know how scripture says he owns the cattle on a thousand hills? He really does. And yet, for every one of those cattle, there's a man or a woman that claims ownership over those animals. See it? Did you get it? And here's how you know if you, if you really have owned your success. It's by my might. It's by my power. If you've owned your success or you see it, you see it as a gift. And if God's trusted you as owner or he's trusted you as steward and manager, you evaluate who calls the shots. Who calls the shots on your money? I'm going to speak to money for a second. Because I haven't always been a giver. This man will tell you. It was something I had to be called out on. And you know, between you and God, if your mentality is, it's my money. I'll do what I want to with it. It's because you, it's because you believe you've gotten there with, without God. It's because you view it as your provision and not his. But if you'll open your heart and you'll allow the Lord to come in there and say, you know what? Without you, there wouldn't be anything. I'm managing your resources. And so, whatever. 10%, 20%. 30%, 50%, whatever. It's not mine. It doesn't matter. That's, that's humble. That's humble. You guys receive that? It's important. It's important because the Lord wants to do so much. I got one more point and I'm done. Because we're being poured into rightly in this church, we understand that the call of God on our lives is to be conformed to the image of Jesus. Yes? Romans 8.29 is a reference there, but I could give you a dozen. The call of God on our lives is to be conformed to the image of Jesus. Something incredibly telling is that the enemy oftentimes will not fight that call. He won't fight the call. What I mean when I say he won't fight the call is he'll, he'll say, he'll say, Tiffany, you're, you're, you're called. You're called to be conformed to the image of Jesus. I won't fight that. But Brandon, really? Yes, really. Adam and Eve in the garden, in Genesis 3. Satan said, the Lord knows that in the day you eat of that, you'll become like God, knowing good and evil. 
So he didn't fight the call because the call is become like God, right? What he did, what he always does was he twisted it and he tainted it. And he said, this call of becoming like God, taking on the character and the nature of God himself is able to be accomplished without God being involved. That's what he did. That's what he did with Adam and Eve. That's what he did with Jesus when he says, all the kingdoms of the world, I'll give you those, and I'll give you their glory, which is what Jesus came to get back. He didn't disagree with the call. He just wanted Jesus to accomplish it apart from the Father. You hear me? This, this will change us. This will challenge us. I know you're hungry. I am too. We'll be there in a moment. He doesn't challenge the call. He just twists the approach. He perverts the approach. Thank you, Lord. That's what I wanted. He perverts the approach to becoming like God. He did it. He's doing it with the Jewish people right now. Think about the Jews. Think about the nation of Israel. You can become like God without Jesus. He perverts the approach. And he perverts the approach with you and I. You can produce the character and nature of God without spending time with him. You know enough. You've learned enough. You've seen enough. You've been changed enough. You don't need to actually come to Jesus and, and keep encountering him over and over. You got it. There's another way. Just go to more how to build your church conferences. And you'll become like God. Just find more formulas and you'll become like God. Just read more books or go to more clubs or become a better version of yourself. Make more money. Give more in the offering bucket. And you'll become like God. There is no substitute. There is no other way to accomplish our call, which is taking on the character and nature of God himself than having an encounter with God himself. It's the only way. <sighs> hear that. If you don't hear anything, just hear that. Please. Because the church of God has bought into a lie that we can become like God by encountering Everything but him. You guys can stand. I'm done. <clears throat> Lift your hands with me. Father, in the name of Jesus, I don't want to believe a lie. I don't want to be conformed to this world. I want to embrace your call. Your call. To become a partaker of the divine nature which can only be accomplished 
by connecting with the true vine. His name is Jesus. Break pride in me. In the name that's above every other. Jesus. Amen.